Welcome to Health or Consequences, a regular podcast series under the Commonwealth Magazine's podcast label with an aim to help sharpen our listeners' understanding of key Massachusetts healthcare and public health issues. I'm one of the co-hosts, Paul Haddis from the Tufts University School of Medicine, and I'm here with my colleague, John McDonough from the T.H. Chan School of Public Health uh, at Harvard University. Nice to be with you this morning, Paul. And our, our goal um, of these podcasts is really to bring a discussion of health issues to um, our listeners from a variety of people, some who've been active in the healthcare and public health space for a while in our state, and some who are new to the scene. And today's guest falls into the latter category, Mr. Michael Carson, the CEO of Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare, who's been in that position less than a year is with us today. So welcome, Michael. And Good morning, we'll, Paul. And we'll get things started by you just saying a little bit about your background for our listeners. Yes. Again, good morning. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, spent about 25 years in the industry leading uh, payer, provider, population health organizations across the country, serving commercial, Medicare, Medicaid, dual eligible populations. Also spent a fair amount of time in non-for-profit uh, health insurance companies in, um, in Washington State and other places, as well as uh, for-profit organizations and uh, private equity-backed organizations. Um, joined Harvard Pilgrim just two years ago. Uh, when I initially joined, I assumed responsibility for our three primary lines of business, our commercial business, Medicare business, and our national TPA business, third-party administrator business, um, as well as core functions that really drive management cost, um, managing revenue, managing uh, overall performance and growth for the organization. It became CEO last year in around June of the year? Middle of the year. So Middle of the yes. year. Okay. So um, thanks for being here today, Michael. Very nice to meet you and to have you as part of this program. So Harvard Pilgrim went through a tough number of years in the middle part of this decade financially, uh, having some significant losses and having to sharply increase premiums. and. We've seen in the past year a major turnaround and a significantly improved financial situation. Can you talk about um, Harvard Pilgrim and, and how it's doing? Uh, compare it with your assessment of the Massachusetts health insurance market more generally and where you see Harvard Pilgrim now and where you hope to see it in a few years. Absolutely. Thank you, John. So yes, 2014, 15, and 16 were tough financial years for Harvard Program, and quite frankly, many healthcare organizations. Uh, much of that had to do with the introduction of the ACA and various rules, and health insurance companies trying to figure out how to manage through the risk uh, adjustment process that was introduced with the ACA, which was a bit different than what perhaps Medicare organizations had been familiar with under CMS rules. So as companies were going through that, understanding what the populations were that they were bringing in and how they needed to be cared for and, and engaged, as well as managing their appropriate coding and familiarizing, themse familiarizing themselves with how the rest of the organizations would do that coding, that created some financial challenges for organizations, Harvard program included. Um, in the meantime, we've driven a significant turnaround, as you mentioned, at Harvard program. There were other factors that drive it. Uh, Harvard program, as you know, uh, has business outside of Massachusetts, so we also operate in Maine, New Hampshire, and Connecticut. We have commercial business and Medicare business, and we also have our national TPA uh, business. So all those components at any given time may fire and uh, may not fire. 
Um, so there were other components as well that drove to some of the, the financial challenges that Harvard program had. What we've done, though, uh, beginning in very late in 16 and then really executed in 17, is a very deliberate, targeted strategy to understand, one, the populations that we serve, how do we appropriately engage them so that as much as possible we can engage with them prior even to their effective date. So member onboarding is key. Once we have them on board and they're familiar with us and we're familiar with them, it makes for a smoother path of uh, identifying what their needs are and helping, helping guide them through the healthcare process in a better, uh, more effective way, which is good for them, drives better health outcomes, but it also reduces costs. So our program has been very much focused on understanding who our members are through data analytics and data-enabled data technology and, and interventions and then really just rolling up our sleeves and engaging in the community with members and providers and driving pro provider collaboration. In addition to that, Harvard program has undergone tremendous efforts in looking at where we spend money, frankly. You know, are we, it's a 50-year-old company, it's a great tradition, focused on quality, service, innovation, provider integration, many, many great things. Uh, but we understand that the things that have made us successful the last 50 years aren't necessarily the things that are going to make us successful the next 50 years. So we have to evaluate where are we spending money. Are, are we spending money aligning resources with the things that are driving the business today and tomorrow rather than the things of the past? Um, so we've had to reallocate some resources to ensure that we meet the customer's needs as well. Um, so it really, it, when you look of a, a profit and loss center, um, we did a, with a fine-tooth comb, went through the organization and said, who are we serving, where are we serving them, how are we serving them, are, are, we, pay, are we being paid for appropriately for the services that, that we provide and the services that we cover, are we managing medical costs appropriately through member engagement but also the provider contracting, vendor contracting, and where necessary did some recontracting there. Uh, and then looked internally, are we spending the, the, the right amounts of money on the right things internally? And the way all that comes together is a positive outcome. So um, again, 14, 15, 16, significant losses. 17 was already a great recovery year for us, frankly. Um, and then 18 has turned out extremely well. We're very proud of the efforts of the team. Is Harvard Pilgrim an outlier in terms of how well you did last year, or are all the plans doing well, and you're just sort of <laughs> part of the larger party? Both. So. Um, I think in, in some ways you did see a turn, and this is typical in healthcare. You see uh, cyclical activity in terms of health insurance company performance. So other organizations also had a decent year. Um, again, figuring out how to manage risk adjustment uh, within the ACA and, and doing other things to perform. Um, but Harvard Pilgrim, in my opinion, of course, <laughs> additionally excelled in, in managing costs in a tighter way, um, improving our administrative cost position. Um, to build an even stronger performance going forward. As I look at uh, our rate of improvement, roughly I would say about half of it ba is based on things that affect the industry overall in terms of figuring out risk adjustment, and half of it is about, is about things that Harvard Program did specifically. Mm -hmm. Where's the volatility in the Massachusetts health insurance market right now, and who is doing well, and are your rivals, and, and who, is, uh, who is underperforming? I have great respect for all the health insurance organizations in Massachusetts. Um, it's, it's a unique and great marketplace. Um, as we've talked about earlier, I've, I've done this in, in pretty much every state across the country. And one of the neat things that I've learned is that every state is different. 
Um, when it comes to risk contracting, for example, Massachusetts is good. There are lots of, state acro lots of states across the country where risk contracting just hasn't taken hold yet. Um, provider organizations aren't there yet. When you say risk contracting, can Pro you explain what you absolutely. mean for yes. people listening Thanks. in? Thanks, John. So it's provider risk contracting, where a payer, like Harvard Program, any provider organization, share in the financial risk of serving a member. So there's a, a financial exchange that aligns the focus of both organizations to create the best health outcomes and therefore the best cost uh, management structure. So where I'm going with that is um, in Massachusetts, the non-for-profit organizations have been here for a long time, have done great work in partnering with uh, the state, partnering with the excellent healthcare system that exists in Massachusetts, and have all served the communities very well. Um, clearly, some of us are bigger, some of us are smaller, some of us are more diverse, some of us are less diverse. So, you know, so we have our backs and forth for that. Quite frankly, Harvard Pilgrim is uh, we want to drive more diversity in our book of business. Um, we like the fact that Where we do you want to go? More government programs. Um, so we're relatively small uh, compared to competitors on government programs. So we're looking to build our government programs business. So re-entering Mass Health? Um, potentially. I, mm -hmm. I've spent many, many years in serving Medicaid members and dual eligibles and long-term um, supports and services type members. So I think it's a tremendous opportunity to serve uh, those, those populations. To me, personally, um, you know, when you spend so much time in an industry, and, and I know some people's perception of health insurance as, the, you know, people in suits and and trying to figure out how to make a dollar, it's, it's, there's really a lot more to it. Um, most people in health insurance organizations have a deep passion for serving members and, and making a difference in healthcare. For me personally, um, they, the business and personal mission component really come together when you serve um, po underserved populations, frankly, because you can create access that maybe hadn't existed before. You can create um, you can make a, a change in generational views of how to access the healthcare system through some education and engagement. That's really fun to see um, when you, a family learns that you don't have to wait for the worst of the worst thing to happen and then run to the ER. There are other ways to engage with healthcare, um, with your provider, with your doctor, with your insurance company. Let me build on uh, those set of questions in terms of our specialists here in Massachusetts. As, as you've noted, we've essentially been dominated by the nonprofit plans, which also uh, many of us think they have amongst the highest, if not the highest rated health plans uh, in the country. But your colleague, when he was on here on this show, Andrew Dreyfus, seemed to be a little bit worried about um, competition coming in from some of the national for-profit plans in the face of mergers like Aetna CVS or Cigna Express Scripts. What are your thoughts about all of that? Uh, and are you as worried as uh, he seemed to be? Absolutely. Um, Andrew, great, great guy. I've actually in my career spent a lot of times working for Blue Cross Blue Shield plans, so I'm very familiar with his organization as well. Um, the, the fact is my personality is like bring it on, so, so I'm okay with it. I've, I've spent years working for the nationals, quote-unquote, as, as we say. I think clearly it's, it's a new level of competition, but as I look at Harvard Program and the improvements that we've made, Frankly, I set the bar extremely high, and I say we're going to measure ourselves against national benchmarks. We're going to measure ourselves against what the nationals are doing, what the local great regional plans are doing. Um, so to me, it's just, just another level of competition, and we have to continue to sharpen a pencil to, to do and to, uh, succeed in the marketplace. Clearly, there are new dynamics to that, right? So 
you look at a United Healthcare, for example, that also has the OptumArm, um, many things that they can leverage with that, right? Mm -hmm. For um, a group potentially being sold on particular services that the national has as a health plan, but also as ancillary um, activities that, that are attached to it. So Harvard program has to continue to innovate and say that we can do the same thing. You are, you, are you worried at all that something can come in here and uh, underprice you and, build and, and take market share away? Is that a real concern? You, you know, that's that can happen today. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's a new threat. I guess is what I'm mm -hmm. what I'm getting at is that, you know, we have deep relationships with our provider partners in the community. Um, every year, every other year, every three years, we're going through negotiation rounds, and it's our job to do the best we can with that and to prove value, right? So we have to stay a certain size so that we can um, meet, be meaningful to that provider partner, and we have to do a great job serving the, the provider appropriately. You guys, I'm sure, are familiar with quadruple aim. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so provider satisfaction is key as well. So... There's been a long history between Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare, going back to when I was on the board in the early 2000s, and United Healthcare. Is that still there? Is it still a special relationship? And what's the relationship between United and Harvard Pilgrim these days? Yes. So we've had a joint venture relationship for many years. Um, clearly predates me. Um, it's really focused on us accessing United's national network, provider network and United being able to access our local network in Massachusetts. Um, because of the com competitive component that we just spoke of, uh, the nationals don't always have an easy time contracting with key uh, provider organizations in Massachusetts, and it's been to our benefit, <laughs> right? So what United does is, at a different rate, um, is able to leverage Harvard Program to have some access uh, to the Massachusetts network. So we have joint products um, that, that get offered mm -hmm. that are sold, through either Harvard Program or United Process, and um, members that United signs up are able to enjoy access to a Massachusetts network, and we're able to market, and not just being a regional network um, organization, that we actually have access to United's national network. Is and that that's a large that part? Is that a large part of your book of business, or relatively small? Um, no, it's maybe 10% or so. Okay. So about two years ago, it emerged in the news that Harvard Pilgrim and Partners Healthcare were in negotiations on potential merger, uh, consolidation, whatever. Then late last year, all of a sudden, it was sort of like, forget about that. It's not <laughs> happening. Never and mind. There's never any, um, from, what, from what we saw, any serious uh, uh, presentation of the public about why did that happen, where did that come from, and then what happened to the conversation between them? Because I think even though there wasn't a lot of public discussion, everybody was paying attention and wondering where this was going to go. So can you give us the story behind this? Sure. The, you know, we just talked a lot about the network and the provider-payer collaboration. So that's really where this stems from. Healthcare, as we know, very complex, very costly. Consumerism is increasing. So it's in our best interest to, to think about provider-payer relationships and how we can better serve our members to engage them appropriately, create better outcomes, and manage costs in a better uh, manner within the healthcare system. So that's where those conversations came from. It's really focused on provider-payer integra provider integration uh, as well as collaboration. And that happens at many, many levels. So risk provider-risk relationships that we explained earlier um, are on that continuum joint venture relationships. Harvard Program has a joint venture relationship with three hospital systems in New Hampshire, where we jointly own a population health company 
and we manage and serve members through a relationship between Harvard Program and, uh, and those hospital systems in a, again, joint venture type of relationship. Many risk relationships here in Massachusetts. And then potentially, if something really aligns, then you talk about a merger of two organizations. Um, so our conversations with partners evolve from how can we make a better difference in serving uh, members in Massachusetts primarily, right? And that could have ranged in any of those levels. So that could have been a deeper risk relationship with partners um, and then perhaps something stronger than that. But we were evaluating what those opportunities are to offer special products, special access, special care um, for, ma for members in Massachusetts through a partner's uh, relationship. And there were lots of benefits that could have come from that, but also we have to understand while we're two excellent, highly rated organizations, there are also um, nuances to how our organizations function. And it's not easy just to slam a provider and a health insurance company together. Um, so we evaluated various options along the way. And through that process, explored what could work uh, within our own organizations, evaluated how far we'd go in terms of a relationship. And um, through those evaluations, we just, it, it didn't come together at the time. Should, should a listener to this conversation say, gee, if that transaction had gone forward, then partners almost exclusive or at least primary commercial insurer would have been what Harvard Pilgrim coming together under with Always or whatever structure would have been uh, exclusive to them? So I think in today's world, so the exclusivity and, and single-payer focus for a provider organization is tough. Mm -hmm. Right, so I don't a few examples around the country, right, but not many. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that the idea of that type of relationship, meaning that partners would only see Harvard program slash always type members, is not you know obviously that's not reasonable. Mm -hmm. um, similarly, when you look at key provider organizations in our uh, state in our Commonwealth today, the the notion of them having too much exclusive relationship with a single payer is not feasible. And you see more and more of a multi-payer strategy from a provider standpoint. So none of those discussions were focused on um, Harvard Pilgrim being exclusively focused on partners providers, nor partners providers serving Harvard Pilgrim only members. It was a very open um, concept of evaluating how to best make a difference and make a dent in, in the rising healthcare cost and the need for access in our, in our community. So are you saying that the characterization in the media of the conversations as being about a merger between partners and Harvard Pilgrim was an exaggeration, an overstatement? No, as I said, the, the range of opportunities were discussed. Anything from just deeper contractual relationships to it, is there a possibility for companies to come together? Um, but again, th those kinds of conversations, not that they happen all the time, but they're not unusual. It's, you know, you, it's such a demanding environment that you have to explore options. Mm -hmm. It's unusual that it becomes so public, though. Uh, well, it's Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. well, let me, let me move the conversation back to something you started this off with, which is focusing a bit on costs. And we took a particular area of interest everybody's talking about, which is pharmaceutical spending. And maybe to, to tee that up, I, I want to give credit to uh, your medical director, Michael Sherman, and others who last August in, in Health Affairs published an interesting article looking at Harvard Pilgrim's own data over a five-year period showing how total pharmaceutical spending, whether it's, uh, you know, including sort of the, you know, the outpatient pharma, pharma spending along with 
the injectable or other drugs that happen sometimes in, in physician offices went from 20 to 25 percent of all commercial spending, a number that's higher than even you know, many of us appreciate. And I know Harvard Pilgrim focused generally on, the, on that issue, has in some ways been a national leader. I think you have 15 kinds of specialty pay-for-value contracts now where if uh, uh, for certain specialty drugs or sometimes you know referred to as next generation therapies you don't get the full durable value of that therapy there's some money coming back uh, to the insurer having having already paid the, the cost of that drug uh, tell us about that specifically but also uh, your thoughts about this whole pharma space and especially that high cost uh, specialty drug space Yes. To me, it starts with value. You know, I've spent a career focused on creating value in the healthcare system, worked for a 100% risk, provider risk uh, organization uh, on the health insurance side, driven value-based relationships uh, all over the country. It's no different for pharmacy. You know, as you quoted, 25% uh, and rising um, of the medical spend. Uh, and with the introduction of new high-cost specialty drugs, um, and other high-cost uh, innovations in that regard, it's great to be able to have those medicines come to market and do what they do um, for patients. But when a claim is made, it's important that when it's not achieved that there's some cost implication because the cost is just so high, right? So value-based, outcomes-based contracting is phenomenal effort um, that Harvard Program has undertaken. And um, it's not, we're not the only organization doing it. Does it save much money at the end of the day? So it's still too early to say. I okay. think the potential is there to have a tremendous impact. I think the ones that we have in place are a bit early. They take some time to develop. And again, because they're high cost, it's, you know, a patient here, two patients here. So it's not a broad population that's being affected on this right now. But to me, the most important thing is we're setting the precedence for how this should be done going forward. So... Setting the right price point, important, and there are lots of components to just getting to the right list price to begin with on pharmacy. But then in addition, implementing these types of outcomes-based contracts, maybe just for a few things, small things today, but tomorrow, you know, once we lay the groundwork for how this works, tomorrow it can impact many, many other drugs. Does government regulation have a role in this pharmaceutical cost space? Yes, for sure. So from a pricing perspective, and we'll see where the chips fall in terms of government regulation, but the starting price is important, right? So we, we don't want to be a furniture store <laughs> where uh, an outcomes-based contract gives a 50% discount, but the price should have been, you know, 75% I thought you were say carpet store, but I'll accept furniture. 75% less to begin with. So the price, the initial price has to be set correctly, and that's where we can use some government regulatory help to ensure that pricing, the starting price is appropriate, and then we can work from there. So let's talk about hospitals, if we can, for a second. So last year, we saw the green lighting of the major new consolidation, Beth Israel, Leahy Health. Some people think, myself included, we're now in an era where instead of having one partner's healthcare dominating force in the hospital market and the healthcare market, we now have two partners instead of one. How are you viewing this? Are you looking forward to this competition? Are you concerned, as the Health Policy Commission was, that this is going to have a major uh, unfortunate impact on costs? What's your sense of that and of the broader sure. hospital sector in Massachusetts now? Mm -hmm. So I think studies have been published uh, that mergers of hospital systems like that drive cost up, <laughs> right? Um, and Health Policy Commission with, with whom I've spent significant time and have great respect for, um, 
recently had a meeting with them, and I was amazed. I spent so much time focused on medical cost management uh, initiatives and meeting with the team there and seeing that they're aligned directly on the same things was, was very, very good to see. Um, Dr. Tab and I spent significant time talking. I've, one, congratulate them on completing the merger. Two, believe that there's an opportunity for those two organizations to partner with companies like Harvard Program to make a difference in the community again. I think that, yes, there's potential for um, cost increases, but I think there's also tremendous potential for us to collaborate in creating innovative products, in creating innovative access, and to really drive that member engagement piece that we talked about earlier, that done correctly, we can actually make a difference and bring healthcare costs down, improve quality, improve access, but bring costs down in the right collaborative manner. So to me, again, I see it as an opportunity, a little bit of a glass half full kind of perspective. Um, I think we have great partners in the, in the Commonwealth, and I think that through collaboration, we can actually make a difference and bring costs down. Yes, clearly it will bring yet another round of negotiation um, components, but I, again, I don't see that as much different than what we do today. So do you think the Health Policy Commission was too negative in terms of its assessment? No, I think the, the risks that the Health Policy Commission outlined are there. Uh, I think it's our job now to roll up our sleeves and go manage it appropriately and not just let the chips fall where they may, but actually you know, influence it as much as we can. Let me... Um mentioned the notion of uh, doing things innovative in a contracting way, and you, you also said this is the 50th anniversary. I assume that refers to what was the Harvard Community Health Plan yes. in its origins, uh, and you're at least the insurance side of that through. And, and they were a, uh, if I understand correctly, maybe job correct me if I'm wrong, a fully capitated staff model HMO. And we read recently, for example, about Atrius, how now on the PPO side, the Blue Cross has cut with them a fully capitated arrangement. Uh, it's been on the HMO side, but on the PPO side, where you tend to think sometimes you have less ability to control spending. What do you think about that, and does it portend anything else for you or others moving more to those full-risk kind of capitated arrangements? Yes, yeah, so uh, Dr. Strongwater and I, CEO of Atrius, um, discussed this quite a bit. And we're in consistent communication in terms of our furthering our relationship. As you pointed out, risk relate, provider risk relationships, as we sort of walked through earlier, very much focused on HMO-type business, right? You have a PCP. There's sometimes a referral process to a specialist. Um, that's when a provider organization is willing to take on risk. In a PPO relationship where patient goes to whatever PCP, self-refers to a specialist, it becomes less controllable. Um, so generally, you don't see risk relationships on PPO. However, I think the instance that exists here, and Dr. Strongwater and, and our teams have, have discussed this a bit, and we'll, we'll potentially do something as we move forward, is if you already see practice patterns to today, right? So you know that patients that are going to see Atrius doctors, for example, Atrius already knows where those patients are going. And even though they have the choice of going to whatever PCP they want, they tend to go to this one or these two. Even though they have the choice to go whatever specialist they want, data will show interest that they go to these. So it's a risk, super risky to take on PPO risk, but it's likely a calculated risk for HRS given that they see the practice patterns anyway and the utilization patterns. So in that regard, it really becomes a cash flow play. So now HRS receives capitated payments from Blue Cross Blue Shield for its PPO membership. It creates upfront cash flow through that capitated payment that allows HRS to invest in growth and strengthen its, its organization. 
Um, Harvard program is right there, and we'll have similar discussions as we move. You think forward. other provider organizations might be right there too? So I, again, as a as leading a provider organization in my past, I've taken on risk for PPO members, and you try to negotiate that with maybe some just upside opportunity, and then take on just a little bit of downside risk. But it's manageable. Again, if you as long as you have the insight, you don't do this raw. You don't do this on membership, where you're a tiny provider. And there's likelihood of those patients going wherever. If you're atria size, you can do that because you have more insight into where the patients are really going. So uh, almost out of time. Last question we have to ask. Medicare for all is a big conversation across the country right now, replacing, as uh, one legislator said, let's uh, Kamala Harris, candidate for president, says, let's just get rid of private insurance. Uh, good idea? Not so good idea. What do you think? Let's wait until I retire. <laughs> until I'm eligible for Medicare, maybe we can do that. Um, so today we have to. It, it's an important thing to consider and discuss, right? And forty to sixty percent of household and and government budgets are spent on healthcare, and it's rising. Uh, we've talked about how complex the healthcare system can be. We're living longer, life expectancy is increasing, so the cost of that is not going to decrease. There's no sort of visibility on how this is going to get better, so we have to keep the conversation going. Personally, as I said, I spent the uh, last couple of decades serving uh, government programs type members and, and products, so I think there's a place for them and there's benefit to Medicaid and Medicare programs so they can work, but there are also downsides to them. There are access issues, uh, there are limitations from a benefit design standpoint. So. Um, we have to make sure that we clearly understand those. Frankly, I was I was born and raised in Germany. Mom's German, so I remember being I don't know how old I was, but I think my mom received like these three certificates to go see the doctor, um, and you better use them judiciously. So if you know, so it we need to ensure or understand that going to a program like that is going to mean change in how we access healthcare, because if we just allow it to be think that it's sort of free healthcare and access is unlimited. Um, those costs are going to spiral out, really out of control. A, a big part of your business at Harvard Pilgrim today is in the Medicare market already. You're in the part of Medicare called Medicare Part C or Medicare Advantage. Correct. It's a big part of your business. Some people have suggested maybe a pathway to Medicare for All would be Medicare Advantage for All. Have you ever thought about that or considered that? Because the insurance companies sure. like Medicare Advantage and it actually has increasingly good quality metrics and, uh, and even cost performance. I think that's a great point, John. I think at the end of the day, it's a joint solution. I don't think it's a single-payer government programs, no private health insurance organization solution. I think it's a combination. And um, today, as I said earlier, my, my Medicare Advantage business isn't big enough. We need to have a bigger Harvard program. But I used to lead Anthem's Medicare business from on the East Coast from Maine to Florida. So I have lots of Medicare experience, and I've led another organization's Medicare business across the country. The, the opportunity that comes from government and private insurance working together, as we do for Medicare Advantage, is tremendous, to your point. And I think there's a, there's a lot of opportunity in that. Okay, thanks, and I'll turn it back to yes, Paul. Michael Carson, CEO of Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare. Thank you very much. Our, our next uh, podcast will be with Manny Lopes from the East Boston Neighborhood Health Center. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much.